kindling the fire um, in every other area of our lives. We have a lot of areas that we deal with, a lot of functions, a lot of different aspects of our life. And so I'm talking about rekindling the fire for other areas of our life, such as life, for example. Rekindling the fire for life. Some of you are sort of just in this, you know, you're in a rut. <laughs> and you just sort of like numb to a lot of things. And, and you don't have that, that zest for life anymore. And it's just like going through the motions and, you know, dealing with stuff. And there's just no rekindle. There's no fire in your belly for life. There's no fire in your belly for relationships anymore. It's kind of like you make excuses of why you can't be in relationship and why you can't, you know, go out and do stuff and connect with people. I'm talking about rekindling uh, the fire for your church and being excited and passionate and, and having that fire in your belly for your church, for your spouse, if you're married, for serving in the local church as well as other places in the city and in, in your family. I'm talking about rekindling the fire for connections. Uh, that's what I'm talking about when I say rekindle the fire. I'm talking about in every area of our life, but we all know that it starts with the Lord, right? How many of you know that? It starts with your relationship with Him rekindling the fire, your passion for Him. So we are in week three of a series called The Rhythm of Life. The Rhythm of Life. And it's about setting the tempo in our lives, you know, so that we actually can enter into the rhythm of God. There's a rhythm that you get into in life with God and with other areas as well. And so far, we've talked about the rhythm of gratitude. Um, the first week, we talked about the rhythm of gratitude, and we found out that the more you, you're, you're, you appreciate your life, the more your life will appreciate. We've also talked about the rhythm of renewal, and we talked about starting our day off right, um, because all's well that begins well. That's what we talked about last week or two weeks ago. Um, we're learning, I believe, we're learning in this series of, you know, how to actually develop good habits that make life more enjoyable. How many of you want to enjoy your life? So we're talking about developing habits, good habits. A lot of us have bad habits that cause us not to enjoy life. But we're talking about really developing good habits. And someone once said, motivation is what gets you started, but habit is what keeps you going. And so we want to develop some good habits, good, healthy habits um, with our lives. And so today, today may be just a little different, okay? Today we're going to talk about the rhythm of responsibility. And uh, we're going to talk about developing a habit of taking ownership. Everyone say ownership. Ownership of each day. And I just want to warn you now, I'm probably going to be stepping on some toes. All right, you know, I, including mine, just so you know. You know, I, I just want you to know that, that I'm probably going to get all up in your business today. <laughs> but I think it's going to be helpful and healthy, all right? So, we're going to talk about the rhythm of responsibility and, and developing this habit of taking ownership of our lives and of each day. And, and many of us know that there are so many different things that, that, that happen to us each day that we have no control over. 
How many of you know what I'm talking about? You just don't have control. And uh, like, for example, traffic. You, you, you get in a traffic jam. You didn't have any control over that. You know, the weather. <laughs> how, many of you know, how many of you know you don't have any control over that? You know, it's been crazy the last two or three weeks. Um, the economy, you don't have any control over that. P politicians, you don't have any control over that. How many of you found that out by now? You know, and, and how, pe how people treat us. We don't, we don't have control over that. You know, how people treat us. And way too often we obsess over the things we can't control. And we fail to take care of the things we can control. We're so focused and so fixated on the things that, you know, we have no control over that we fail to take responsibility for the things in our life that we can control. And today I want to talk about taking ownership of the things that, that we need to own and letting go of the things that we don't. I'll give you three different areas that I want to talk to you about today. The first one, first one's the big one. This is the big enchilada, if you will, okay? And that is simply, own your attitude. Come on. Everyone say attitude. Look at someone and say it with an attitude. Say attitude. Attitude. <laughs> attitude. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> attitude. You can't always control what's going on around you, but let me just say this. You can I said you can control your attitude. Did you hear me? You can control your attitude. You can't always, you know, control what's going on even on the inside of you. You know, sometimes the way you feel, you know, your emotions. But you can still rein in your attitude. You can still take control of your attitude. And, and sometimes we just need to to check our attitude. Now, I'm not just preaching at you. I'm preaching at me today. Uh, I had a situation this week where I had a stinking attitude. Maybe you guys have never had that happen to you. But it was the other night, and, um, you know, the, the dogs were just nonstop barking at the TV because we were watching a show that had dogs on it. And my big dog, Cody, actually taught our little dog, uh, Miley, how to, you know, engage the TV. <laughs> Up until now, it's just been Cody, and Miley just sort of sits on the couch looking at him like he's nuts. And so both of them were going at it, and it was nonstop, and I was like getting irritated. And, and, and on top of that, my back was hurting like crazy. And, and we had just bought some new wood because we ran out because of the weather. <laughs> and it was wet. And so I got this smoldering fire. I've got dogs barking nonstop and then wanting to go outside to see if they can find the dogs that are on the TV. My back's hurting like crazy. And so I had a funky attitude. <laughs> Didn't I, honey? Yeah. Uh-huh, she knows. I'll let her get up here and tell the story. She'll tell it much better, I'm sure. So, 
you know, it was about an hour, was it an hour maybe, hour and a half, that I was just, I was just sort of on a tear. I was mad, I was angry, I had a stinking attitude. And then, then she kind of checked my attitude, you know, what are you doing? You know, and so I had to, I had to really assess, you know, where I was at and what, how I was acting. And I had to sort of deal with it and rein it in and, and really adjust my attitude. And that's life, folks. Can I get a good amen or? Yeah, that's life. I mean, we, we listen, attitude is so important. Attitude is more important than the past. It's more important than your education. It's more important than your money. It's more important than your circumstances. Uh, it's more important than what you say or do. Your attitude is more important than your appearance. It's more important than your giftedness. It's more important than your skill set. Your attitude will make you or break you. An atti- your attitude, our attitudes will, will make or break a company. Our attitudes will make or break a church. By the way we treat each other, our attitude, our attitude will make or break a home. You know, sad to say that a lot of people do what I did every day the other night, and they never check it. They just sort of live that way. And it gets really ugly in a hurry. And the remarkable thing is we have a choice. Everyone say choice. We have a choice. Every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. Your attitude will elevate the quality of your day. It also also elevates the people around you as well, either good or bad. And so, you know, did you know that Jesus had an attitude? Jesus had an attitude. As a matter of fact, if you have your notes there or your Bible, look at Philippians 2.5, and we'll look at his attitude. Jesus had an attitude. It says it right here in Scripture, Philippians 2.5, have this what? Come on, everybody, have this what? Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in who? Christ Jesus. So he had an attitude. My question to you today is, is what does the Jesus attitude look like? Everyone say Jesus attitude. I think that's a, 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 a sort of a phrase we need to adopt. As an as a individual person as well as a church. Having the Jesus attitude. You remember the what, what would Jesus do? Yeah. So let's just, let's just change that to having the Jesus attitude. I don't know what the acronym would be, but uh, I'm sure you can come up with something. Well, what does it look like? Well, it says, tells us right there in the context of that scripture. Philippians chapter 2, let's just back up a little bit and see what the Jesus attitude looks like. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regarding one another, underline that in your notes, one another, or your Bible, as more important than yourselves. 
Do not merely look on your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. Underline that, others. Have this attitude, here we go, it's right in context here. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. But instead, he emptied himself, taking on the form of a bondservant. Underline that word, bondservant. And being made in the likeness of men, being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself, underline that, humbled himself, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death of the, what? Cross. Now, what does the Jesus attitude look like? The Jesus attitude always involves how we treat people. Did you hear me? That's what the, the text talks about. Others, one another, humbling. It always involves how we treat people. It also involves servanthood and humility. Does that describe you or not? You have to answer that question. Every single one of us in this room, I believe, need to embrace. What does embrace mean? Embrace the Jesus attitude. <laughs> and think about that when you're having a nasty attitude. Is this the Jesus attitude? Chances are, maybe not. Okay, so let's just define this whole attitude thing. Attitude is an inward feeling expressed by an outward behavior. Okay? It's an inward feeling expressed by an outward behavior. Some of you woke up this morning with a particular attitude. And it was probably based on how you feel, how you felt. Too many times we let our feelings dictate our attitude. That's what was happening the other night, right? And, and most, of us, most of us need to change our attitude. Stanford Research Institute says 12% of the money that you will make in your life comes from the knowledge you possess, 12%. So all the studies you've been doing in college or had, have done, all the research, all the education, 12% of the money you will make will come from that. 88% will come from your attitude. Isn't that interesting? That's how important it is. Our attitude is critically important. And you know what I'm talking about. You, you, you know get around somebody with a, a good attitude, you want to be around them more, right? You get around someone with a sucky attitude, and it's like, whoa, <laughs> uh, excuse me, but I'll, I'll find something else or someone else. Listen, here's, here's a fill-in-the-blank space in your notes. We cooperate with God when we have a good, life-giving attitude. We cooperate with God when we have a good, life-giving attitude. What does life-giving look like? Being kind, being patient, being long-suffering. Life-giving, not life-sucking. 
innocent, believing the best, forgiving, right? Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Are you all here? See, and we cooperate with God when we embrace a good life-giving attitude. Now, I'm not saying it's easy to do that as exhibited the other night. I was caught in this, this little vicious cycle and was sort of spinning out of control with my attitude. And here's also what I found out is we cooperate with the enemy when we have a bad attitude. In other words, we play into his hand. William James, the father of modern psychology, said, the greatest discovery of my generation is that humans can alter their lives by altering their attitude of mind. And here's the deal. Don't, don't blame your attitude on someone else. We're talking about taking responsibility here, folks. I could have easily blamed it on my dogs. I could have easily blamed it on my back. I could have easily blamed it on the stinking wet wood. <laughs> and justified my nasty attitude. So, and blame, or blame, blame Vicky. Because after all, it's her fault. She's the one that said we needed more dogs, more wood. <laughs> Don't blame your attitude on, some, on someone else. It's not someone else's fault. Amen? And don't buy into the victim mentality. Oh, it's me. You know, that, it'll ne that will never serve you well. No, uh-uh. It will always destroy your attitude, that victim mentality. You know, why, why me? Why this? Why that? And it gets ugly. Wrong attitudes will destroy your life. It'll mess you up. Let me give you a couple things that I think are critical to change your attitude. Um, first, you have to decide. You have to decide. These are in your notes. You have to decide. Everyone say decide. To change your bad attitude areas. You have to make a decision. Listen, it's not okay to live with a bad attitude. It's not. Did you hear me? It's not. It affects the people around you. And it's not fair to the people around you for you to have a bad attitude that impacts their lives. No, they don't deserve that. People don't deserve that from you. Especially if we call ourselves Christians. Amen? They don't deserve that. People just don't deserve to be mistreated because of your nasty, demeaning attitude or mine. Vicki didn't deserve the other night the way I was acting. She didn't deserve it, she didn't do a thing. But she was bearing the brunt. I promise you the wood wasn't, you know, getting the brunt. The dogs weren't getting the brunt. She was getting the brunt, and it was unfair. Everyone say unfair. It's unfair. 
And you don't want to live coddling your bad attitude the rest of your life. By just saying, oh, that's just the way I am. That's just me. That's, take it or leave it. That's just the way I, I roll, you know. Just the way I roll. <laughs> Listen, there are no excuses for your bad attitude. Did you hear me? There's no excuses for my bad attitude. And don't try to justify having a stinking attitude. You have to decide enough is enough. Enough is enough. Give people around you permission. Permission. Like Vicki checked me. Permission. And when she called me out on it, I didn't say, oh, yes, okay, honey, no problem. I said, I'm hurting. <laughs> These dogs, I started making excuses. But her words, because of the way she gave them to me, penetrated and helped me over a period of time adjust that attitude. Give people permission to challenge you when your attitude sucks. Second, the second thing, control your thoughts. If you're going to change your attitude, you've got to control your thoughts. Listen. If you don't change the way you think, you will never change your attitude. Some of us have been fed so much negativity, we're cynical, we're skeptical, we're jaded. And because of that, we just carry this, this attitude with us, you know, and we, we, we get so much negativity in us. Maybe it's at work. Maybe it's around certain members of your family. Whatever, wherever. Listen, garbage in, garbage out. You want to change your life? Change what you put in. Amen? You got to control your thoughts. You, you got to learn, you got to learn to reel in your thoughts. Or you will tell yourself a story. It's like this fishing pole. It's uh, that bobber, that bobber right there represents your thoughts, okay? And, uh, and so your thoughts kind of go shing like it did the other night for me, okay? They were just, it was bouncing off the walls, right? You're just, this, your thought of, you know, why this? Why that? How come? You know, why are they acting like this? Why am I? What's wrong with this wood? That idiot that I bought this wood from, you know? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's his fault, you know? And I, I started telling myself all these stories. And, and so, but eventually, eventually I had to start reeling. Everyone say reeling. Reeling that in. And just, you know, just bringing it in. Why? Because if you don't, you will tell yourself a story. In crucial conversations, we learn that, that we're always telling ourselves a story. Most of the time, it's not accurate. You know, we, we, we see something, we see the way someone's acting, or we hear something or feel something, and we immediately start to tell ourselves a story. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, once again, zing, our, our thoughts go crazy. And then, what do we need to do? 
Come on, what do we need to do? One more time, real loud. What? We need to reel in our thoughts. Because if you don't, it's just going to get worse. And it's going to separate friends. It's going to divide and destroy relationships. It's going to put you on edge at work. could get you fired. Because these thoughts need to be reeled in. Right? Everyone say, reel it in. Oops, got a fish. Yeah, so, so he, listen, I want you to remember this, this visual. And next time you start to have a bad attitude, it just came apart. Uh, next time you have a bad attitude, I want to encourage you to do what? Reel it in. Reel it in, reeling your thoughts. Don't tell yourself a story. As you start to tell yourself a story about that person, reel that in and say to yourself, I don't know that to be true. I don't know that, I don't know that that's true. That's not fair. That's called life-giving. That's living, in, living back in the garden before the fall. It's innocence. It's the place of innocence. It's, it's partaking of the tree of life rather than the tree of the knowledge of the good of good and evil. You can choose to live out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil where you're constantly judging people or events or situations and telling yourself a story or you can choose to live out of the tree of life or you live in innocence. You believe the best of people. You treat them with the Jesus attitude. Amen? If you just let your mind wander, it will get you into trouble, and the enemy will accommodate you. As the mind goes, so goes the rest of your life. Because the way you think, the way you feel, and the way you look at others is what makes up your attitude. It's what causes you to tell yourself a story. I love the verse in the Apostle Paul writing um, to, the, to the church in Romans says, do not be conformed any longer to this pattern of the world, but be transformed. That means changed. We're talking about changing our attitude. By the renewing of our mind. That's how it's going to happen. By renewing your mind to the Word of God, with the Word of God, and accepting this to be truth rather than the way you feel. Say. By renewing our mind, I, I used to be a mean-spirited, hateful, bitter, resentful person. And it was this thing called the Word of God by renewing my mind over and over and over that changed my life. And it will change yours. Amen? Learn to meditate and memorize Scripture. It will serve you well, I promise you, when you meditate and memorize the Word of God. I've listed some scriptures there. Um, I won't read them for the sake of time today, but they're there in your notes. Those are some of my favorites that I've memorized and I meditate on to keep my attitude right. 
The second thing we need to take responsibility for is our schedule. So our attitude first, our schedule, we're talking about the rhythm of responsibility. Our schedules. Now I realize that that your work probably determines a large part of your day, but the rest of your day, you can can decide what you're going to do with that. You say, no, my kids do that. No, 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 no. You've let them. You decide. Amen? They're not the parent, you are. Just so you know. I told you I was going to step on some toes today. You can control how you use your time. Everyone say time. Talking about schedule here. We're talking about time. And so I encourage you to learn to build into your day time to do what's most important. I call it the rhythm of balance. It's in your notes. The rhythm of balance. There's a balance, there's a syncopation to to life on a daily basis besides the things I'm talking about today. There's four things. Work, rest, worship, and play. That's the balance that you'll find in Scripture, actually. The balance. Some of you are workaholics. You're out of balance. You know, you, you never stop working. You're, you're just so focused. Some, some, you know, some of you, you, you don't work much, but you play. <laughs> it, you need to find that syncopation, that rhythm, that drumbeat, if you will, of work, rest, worship, and play. And recently, the Lord convicted me about, I don't have enough play in my life. Doesn't that sound crazy? You know, it's, it's generally the other three that I, I'm pretty good at. But over the years, since I had back surgery and have been limited, I've, I've sort of gotten out of that playful, you know, enjoying that side of life, and I need to change that. I need to get back in rhythm, amen? And, and maybe you do too in one of these areas. Perhaps it's worship. Maybe you're good at playing and you're good at rest and you're good at work, but it's that whole worship piece that's messed up. It's out of rhythm. It's the rhythm of balance. Listen, it's like your tire being out of balance. You wobble. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? It's like wop, 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 wop. the steering wheel shakes a little bit in your hand because the, the tire's out of balance. Well, that's the way life looks when we're out of balance. Just encourage you, man. Find that rhythm in that area. Jesus did. How many of you know he was a busy man? Everybody wanted a piece of him. <laughs> For real. Everybody wanted to. He just, people were chasing him everywhere. They wanted time. With, they wanted, you know, pulling on him, touching his garments and all that. Jesus found a way to pull away and pray. It's there in your notes of Scripture. You can read them later. But for the sake of time, let's move forward to number three. And number three, the third area of responsibility that I believe we need to take is the rhythm or to own our, our, our own decisions. Own your decisions. Everyone say decisions. When it comes to decision making, there are two mistakes that we need to avoid. First, 
The first one, it's not in your notes. The first one is, is to allow others to make the decisions that you yourself should make, such as how you spend your time and how you spend your money. That's a couple of great examples. Second, second mistake is to deflect responsibility for the decisions we've made, projecting blame on someone else. Don't play the blame game. You have to take responsibility for the decisions that you make. It's not, it's not your spouse's fault. It's not God's fault. Amen? It's not your circumstances' fault. You know, Adam, remember back in the garden? Adam was like, you know, decided to, to, to eat the apple with his lady friend, you know, with Eve, or whatever fruit it was. And then he went and made fig leaf fashions to cover himself. And, and then all of a sudden, God comes on the scene and he's like, Adam, what have you done? And Adam was like, it was what? It was the woman you gave me. I can't tell you how many times I wanted to say that to God. <laughs> it's the blame game. It's been around since the very beginning. But don't go there. Don't play it. You have to own your decisions. Amen? It's not someone else's fault. If you make a decision, own it. If it was a mistake, say it. Amen? Apologize for it. Own it. Try to deflect it and blame others. Just own it. And the best way to improve your decision-making is the book of Proverbs. You want to you in, increase your, you know, the odds of good decision-making? Read the book of Proverbs every month. There's 31 chapters. Read one chapter every day. And, and to remember where you are, read the date. So what's today? Read cha Pro Proverbs chapter 10. It's easy. It's the book of wisdom. If you want to, if look, there's a couple of scriptures in there. The Bible says the way of a fool, in Proverbs 12, the way of a fool seems right to him. But a wise man, how many of you want to be a wise man? Listens to advice. Proverbs 15 says plans fail for a lack of counsel. But with many advisors, they succeed. What am I saying? Seek advice. Get input from godly people you can trust. Go to the Word, go to your relationships, find out what that looks like and then pray it through and make a decision. I'm not talking about them making the decision for you, I'm talking about you drawing on the wisdom that's available to you. Amen? Just doesn't, it just doesn't make sense to make decisions without the right kind of input. But you have to own your decisions. As we close today. The worship team comes. Pastoral team is going to go to the sides if you would like prayer. As we close today, listen to me carefully. Here's the paradox. Here's the paradox. Taking ownership of your day begins with giving ownership to Jesus. <laughs> Taking ownership 
really means it begins with giving him the ownership. Let's stand to our feet. It means simply saying, God, God, I give you first place in my life. I'm yours. I surrender. Take my life. Lead me. I surrender my life to your lordship. You know, that's a big word. I don't know if you've prayed that prayer in a while, but when you say, I surrender my life to your lordship, that's a powerful thing. Because that means that, that he's in control of your life and you, you yield, just like when you come to a yield sign on the road, you yield to oncoming traffic. You yield to God's will and his ambitions and his plans and his ways for your life. Let's bow our heads for just a moment if we could. This is a very important time. I just want to challenge us to respond to what we've been talking about. First thing I want to talk about is your life and his lordship. If you'd say today, Glenn, I just really want to surrender my life to his lordship today. I just want to, I just want to surrender to him. Right now, I've been convicted in my heart. Things are out of rhythm, and I, I just want to surrender to his lordship. If that's you, I'd like to pray for you. Would you, would you just show me who you are, perhaps, if that's you? Slipping up your hand. Wow, thank you so much. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you over here and in the back. God bless you. Wow. Wow. Thank you, Lord. And this morning, if, if there's an area of your attitude that really stinks and you know it and you felt convicted as I was telling you my dirty laundry today you thought yeah that's me but worse maybe and you and you're like saying you know what I, I'm deciding that that, that something's got to change I'd like to pray for you Would you just show me who you are if that's you? God bless you. Wow. All over. Thank you. Thank you. Father, we're here to do business with you. We're here not to play church, not to just go through the motions. We're here to be transformed by your word. You said in your word that you would confirm your word with signs following. And Father, as people have raised their hand, that indicates that they are in agreement with your word and they want your power at work in their lives. They're opening themselves up to you to invite you to come 
and bring the change that's necessary. First of all, Lord, I just pray for those who are surrendering to your Lordship today. We all pray this prayer, a simple prayer. Can we pray this together? Say, God, I surrender my life to your Lordship. Take control of my life. I surrender it to you today. Jesus, be my Lord. And Father, I pray for those who are struggling with their attitudes. Father, you know the toll that it takes on people, families, homes, relationships, friendships, workplaces. God, I just pray that you, by your power and your strength, would come. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you help bring the change that's necessary? God, with our best efforts, we fall short. But with you, all things are possible. And we can do all things through you, Christ Jesus, who strengthens us. So help us to choose to believe that this can change and we can experience transformation in our lives. We give it to you, Lord. I pray for my brothers and sisters. I pray for me. Now let's just take a few minutes and worship and just let this soak inside of us. Whatever decisions you've made, just let it soak. If you need prayer, our pastoral team's there for you to pray and agree on stuff. Let's worship him.